This week on the Pushball Lace Podcast, we have Dr. Amelia Thompson. And Happy New Year, everyone. It's 2019, Dan. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Dan Meek. And me, Tom Hall. What's going on, bud? I did that slightly differently to what I do normally, just realised. Mm. Um, must be diet brain. Um, <laughs> I've dieted. If I haven't told everyone yet, I've started dieting. I've started dieting. Everyone should know that. So my weekend is still all right and quite easy, so it's fine. I think it's been telling considering you actually went on your slight travel to Essex over the weekend and decided to take a picture of every food you could not eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's funny though because I realised this. I like I've just spent six months being able to eat all this food that I could possibly want, and I go into Starbucks regularly and Costa, and I can walk past the cake thing fine, absolutely no issue. The second I start dieting, I was like, hmm, that looks good. I, like, I can fancy that, and I was, oh, it's just annoying, isn't it? But yeah. stay strong and all that. Um, but anyway, how was your three week, four week holiday you had off for Christmas? Two week, two week holiday. Yeah, Norway was cold. But it was good. It was nice. Essex, Norway, done. But we should probably stop rambling because uh, we've actually got a guest on. It's not. It's going downhill from here anyway. So <laughs> um, yeah, we do have um, a guest on today. We have quite a popular coach in our industry of the female variety, I'm going to say. Because we don't really haven't had that many female guests on the podcast. Um, she has a PhD. Three? We've had three. One three, a year. Yeah. That's our rule. Yeah, yeah. That's it, that's <laughs> um, so she has a PhD, so she's very intelligent. Uh, used to compete in bikini. I'm going to say used to compete in bikini um, competitions because I don't think she'll be doing it anymore. Um, and is very much into mindful eating. So I'll introduce Dr. Amelia Thompson. Oh, that's the most charming you've ever sounded towards me. I know, right? Because <laughs> I've, I've got it recorded, so I have to be nice occasionally. Yeah, very true. Um, I can, I can sn- like, kind of snap that up and just send it your way, Amelia. We can just cut that bit good. and just send it. Yeah. So like, remember, Dan always was that nice. Just remember, it's all downhill from here. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I can be horrible. You see, I've been nice, and so I can be horrible. Um, so, yeah, mindful eating, Amelia. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what you're, I guess, known for. Um, what is mindful eating. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> 45 minutes, here we go. Um, mindful eating. Well, mindfulness is just really about being present in the moment, non-judgmentally, um, being intentional with your attention, basically. So mindful eating is that, but when it's related to your food. So, you know, being present in the moment when you're eating, being aware of what you're eating um, and just really being intentional about actually just what you've got in front of you rather than all of the distractions and all the other stuff that goes on. Um, you talk about it, mindful, like being mindful of what you eat and it's really just being about super aware really of what you're eating, when you're eating it, how you're eating it. And has that developed over your life? Has it developed through study? Has it developed through habits? Has it developed through struggles client struggles all of the above um so it developed myself when i competed so you're right i'm never competing again um i stopped like a year and a half ago um but it start. i got into it when i started competing because um 
as you're probably aware, competing can exacerbate any sort of negative relationships with food. Um, and so for myself, it exacerbated my own negative relationship with food. And so um, it kind of, at least in the initial stages, I developed some like binge eating behavior every time I finished competing. Um, and that was kind of an underlying thing from before I started competing. But at that time, nobody spoke about it. So I didn't really realize that, that would happen. Um, and so when I competed, I kind of just started looking into it. I started looking into the research behind um, what mindful eating was. And there was some research at the time that suggested it could be beneficial in binge eating disorder. Um, and that was like three or four years ago. Um, and since then, it's become a bit more popular and a bit more talked about. Um, and so then from that point, I just developed it myself, research based and then with clients. And butchered. And yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and all that sort of stuff it always comes around anything when it becomes popular it always uh, it always goes that way doesn't it but um no i think we've talked about we talked about mindful eating before and I, think I feel like we have i'm not too sure yeah <laughs> we probably, have, probably have a slightly different view on it and i think coming from a, a background i suppose where binge eating and eating disorders it, it's a bit different i suppose because for us it's not something we've really experienced um so it, it's kind of we talk about it from the point of view of, oh, you know, rather than stressing about going over 10, uh, 10 calories, 20 calories, whatever it is, it's more about going, actually, look, today I can take a low day or today I can take a high day or I'm going to be out with my parents, so why am I going to bother worrying about the, whether I'm eating at a Tupperware or whether I'm eating at a restaurant, that sort of thing. Whereas I think um, the mindful eating, as, as Amelia's probably talking about, is more, I suppose, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I guess it's more about the habits behind decisions that you make and the, I suppose, environment potentially you find yourself. Yeah, so you're, yeah, you're right. So you're talking about being mindful of calories, being mindful of your day-to-day -day routines and habits and, and sort of your overall behaviour. Whereas, yes, I talk about that and, and my habits are based on that, but they're also based on, you know, meal-to-meal -meal mindfulness habits and sort of much more focused on that kind of eating behavior so it's a bit more intense i suppose those things like anxiety around certain i suppose meal timings or something like that or certain times of the day or emotions i suppose which um which we all i suppose feel to a degree but i, I think in some people it's obviously exacerbated more in in them more than others um and like you said i suppose competing only only sort of highlights that um situation so in terms of i suppose your clients i, I hate asking this sort of question where it's like oh what do you do when a client comes to you because it obviously depends right <laughs> but well we can you... make up some really random case study right now and really like screw it over. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah just someone that you would never ever encounter in a million years. yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah i suppose what is kind of what's the first thing that you do with people obviously because myself and tom would go straight in and go right track your food track your calories let's see roughly where you're at ask a few questions around um food choices but for the majority like you said you kind of in this industry you you kind of um attract what you put out and because we don't really talk about it a huge amount we don't we don't get a huge amount of people looking for mindful eating but what what sort of do you usually start with looking at with these sorts of clients because obviously they want results right as well as they probably want physical results as well as i don't want to use the word fixing but help with their issues around food that they may or may not know they have yeah I, it's funny that you're saying you know it's, you kind of get out what you get back what you put out um and so most of the people that come to me for um coaching know what i do and within there you, you know you guys do it you'll have your your goal section of your your consultancy um and so you know i'll have a questionnaire it's like, what are your goals and 99 percent of them say 
I want to either improve my binge eating or improve my mindfulness or improve my relationship with food. And they say it outright. It's not really something that I, I don't even need to ask it directly. Most of the time, they'll just say it outright because they know that's who I am. Um, and, I, you know, I make them... I make them rate them in terms of like, what's your number one goal? Is it body comp or is it your relationship with food? And, and I try and decipher what their issue is, whether they've got bad composition because of the relationship with food or the other way around. Um, but most of my clients will still have to do, you know, a food diary before they, before they start. Um, but I don't make them do it maybe as meticulously as you. So they just have to kind of write it down. And a lot of the times they'll give me an example of what they ate and then they'll put an asterisk and they'll say, but then I binged on top of that. And that's kind of all I really need to know. I don't need to know the extent to what that binge was at that point. Um, and then it depends on their background, really. If they've got history, some of my clients come to me and they've been meditating for a year because they've seen it on, on my Instagram or, or whatever it is. So I can kind of skip some stages um, and start straight on to some sort of mindfulness based habits um, and some other clients kind of they don't even know what mindfulness is um, but they're binging and so I'll strip it right back and start with like simple meditation tasks so it depends on it depends on who it is really obviously I think that was an interesting take something I just wrote down in terms of uh, something we teach a little bit at third space and about marketing for coaches because what you've just said is uh Dan said it previously there, you get people that are coming already with mindfulness drilled in. Those three questions that you said that they already would uh, write down or write down the answer to, I've not had one client say that to me. Yeah. Ever. I think yeah, that... This is, this is, Tom, this is also why all your clients are rich people who... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll say my online clients, but they're the same <laughs> people. But um, yeah, so... <laughs> but they're mainly going to be... Like, they'll come for me for either strength or rehab. And then that's it. So... And then I'm just like, all right. But it's, it's really interesting that people, if, if there's like a young coach out there picking your niche and deciding what client you actually bloody want to work with would be a big thing to happen. So, because we've all, we seemingly have already got our demographic, however long we've been in the game. So mm. that, that's happening. So I think it's quite interesting. I'm going to write that down. So sorry, yeah. mate, I'm just making notes on courses. I, I, I kind of think that just comes with um, being who you are, yep. being authentic in what you say and being consistent in that message i think that's where a lot of people struggle i think that's where when when people i mean because obviously i've been through it with mike in the sense of we had to try and develop a brand i suppose as it were when we left team box right and wait you left people think that branding is like the colors you use or the writing or the logo and all this sort of stuff and it's like it's actually kind of well, what is it you stand for? What do you wanna, what do you wanna be known for, right? Like like you're saying there, and and I think people forget that massively. And like you say in your messaging and how you speak and how you talk, um, so you know there's a reason why, for example, I would openly swear in in writing posts because it's like I don't care about it, like, and I wouldn't want clients who would come to me who are a bit prim and proper and, and a bit offended by swearing because it's like you're not going to get the best experience um, from from my content as it were but also it's also that type of person you probably go well you're probably not going to get on with me particularly brilliantly um and i think people forget that it's very easy to see when someone is basically bullshitting you when they're not being authentic when they're just putting out stuff for the sake of it and um i know amelia we've talked about it before but it's rife in our industry it's not even people who you'd think either it's people who are well known they just clearly do not have like a, a congruent message that they actually believe in? Yeah, I think it's really, really apparent now. I think that 
it's like some memos gone around to the fitness industry that says uh, be authentic and that will make you more popular and so all of these you know people that don't have a strong personality or strong values of their own have googled what does it mean to be authentic and then then and then they put it on their post and so they start telling their life story about what happened to them when they were five years old and when their cat died and that makes them authentic and it's, it's not at all um and so i think if you're truly aligned and believe in what you do then you don't need to you, you get the clients that you're supposed to work with and I, I do believe you kind of attract the type of people that you're made to attract like you guys now I think you've probably got quite I would know the type of client that you'd work with like like Dan and Mike I think it's quite obvious you don't need to worry about like damaging your brand by swearing because your types of clients like that um so I think yeah I think you attract those types of clients that want to work with you for who you are it's like this thing with being authentic is you shouldn't you shouldn't have to try to, it's like people say i'm going to try to be it's like well no being authentic is you wouldn't even like need to try mate. Right, the, yeah. yeah it's like people planning to be spontaneous it doesn't yeah. happen it's not how it works mate and it's yeah. it's just like you've either got it or you haven't and if you haven't you need to you need to obviously focus on other strengths of yours and actually by being authentic you will know what those other strengths are but trying to play on a on that as a strength and like you say it's um, it's quite hilarious, but that kind of sums up the the fitness industry as a whole, I suppose. Mm. Um, and also, I suppose to a degree, from your experience of like competing as well, right? It's the view that competing and being on stage has kind of got this element of superiority, and like you must be extremely happy with how you look and all this. And it's like no, probably couldn't be much further from the truth. Yeah, uh, in some aspects, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but then you still get the competitors, again, who have read this authenticity email, who then, you know, again, preach authenticity because they compete and, you know, they've struggled really hard because they haven't dropped weight that week and that's them being authentic. And it, and they might feel that they are because they're trying to get this message across, but the fact that they think that, you know, not dropping body fat is authentic is a problem in itself because it's that kind of total shallow no idea of what your values are, no idea of what your self-worth is because your authenticity lies in, I've had a meltdown because I've not lost half a kilo this week. But that's a whole other issue in itself and that's just young competitors, I guess. Do you think like the whole authenticity, oh, I can't even say that word, authenticity and the values aspect of what we're talking about links to eating and links to dieting? Do you think there's links to being more mindful about what you're eating and what you're consuming and your environment and all those sorts of things, is, is there an element of it, it's all kind of attached? Yeah, I think so. I think when you are, this is just, this is just my opinion, but when you are more... Oh, this podcast is all about that, don't be, don't be, <laughs> yeah, like, Jesus Christ. That. <laughs> papers that I recited and remembered. We <laughs> just recklessly speculate about, uh, about anything we can. So, yeah, it's fine. Good, good to know. Um, <laughs> if you're authentic, you have to know what your values are and you have to know like, you know, what's important to you, be that health, money, family, whatever it is. If you are suffering, especially binge eating, so I'm not talking about clinical eating disorders, but I'm talking about disordered eating in some way, um, especially binge eating, it's not necessarily related to food. It's generally more of a um, habit that's based on your, your mindset and your mental state. So it's more linked to things like depression and anxiety. Um, which are then therefore linked to not knowing your worth and not being compassionate towards yourself and not knowing what your values are. 
And and so some, sometimes with my clients, I just get them to say, right, they're really struggling. I say, right, tell me what your core values are. And that's kind of like a more of a life coaching type technique. But, um, you know, they get they list their values um, and then they'll say, you know, health is number one. It's like, right, well, then how does your binge eating fit into your core values? And then you can kind of link it back because it makes them want to do it to do a certain behavior more if it thinks if they think they're going to achieve their core values and they're more likely to stick to it but if you're not authentic in yourself and you don't know who you are you have no idea what your core values are so you have no idea to get to where you want to be because you can't align any of your behaviors with your core values so they are kind of all linked that was kind of a waffle but it made sense in my head <laughs> so if uh say if you're taking on a fresh client or say to just our listeners right now and uh you were to give them, say you were speaking about taking a new client previously, like two, three, like tips, go like takeaways to go and apply now. What could they be? Without tapping into your product too much and not making you sell anything. So, if they were a new client, <laughs> yeah. um, meditate. So the first one, one of the first things I always get clients to do, or at least to try and do, is a meditation, and I set them kind of targets of how how long or how many sessions per week, and we kind of progress that. So that's the first one. Um, this, uh, nutrition ones aside, so obviously I'll have nutritional targets that we all know that they're basic habits that I would set them straight off. But if we take the nutrition ones out of it, um, meditation, I would get them to, I always have a little task for them to do, which is like a mindful, a mindful eating task based on like a raisin it's like a well-known technique so this is not something that i've developed um, and it's called the mindful raisin technique i don't have you any of you done it before no. right <laughs> you send it to us and then we'll review get, it next let's week go, let's go and get a raisin right he's <laughs> like, like 10 minutes to eat a raisin but um you have to basically it, it's basically like a technique to slow down mindfully and then it tasks you to like look at the textures and the taste and the smell and, and all of these things of a raisin. It's, it's pretty boring, but what it does do is it starts it starts you thinking about what mindful eating is. So you have to so be a raisin? Um, a raisin, I think it is a raisin because they're not really great. So I think it... Right, okay, I was about to say, I was like, it tastes like us, so I'm, that's not really <laughs> smell like, I'm going to yeah, be like... Yeah, you can develop it. Like, so what I do is I tend to develop it so that after a certain amount of time, they'll have to do a mindful raisin technique on like their, what normally leads them to a binge. So normally they'd inhale that food and not really be mindful of it. They have to then develop it into that state. Okay. So it does have some sort of reasoning behind it. <laughs> um, I, I assume you can't go straight from a raisin to a tub of Ben and Jerry's like that overnight. I'm sure no, that. there are certain stages. <laughs> um, although it does sound better. Um, <laughs> Third one, probably starting them on their like hunger skills. So I talk about this quite a lot and just getting them to learn or start to learn when they're actually hungry and have like a simple scale of one to 10 um, and get them to grade themselves out of 10 at certain times of the day, before meals, after meals, after certain drinks, and really just starting to get them to think about what physiological hunger is. That's kind of the main issue with most of our population right now, unfortunately, is that we don't really know what hunger is. Um, I do. Like, yeah, 100%. Well, you've been dieting for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> no, we talk about a lot. We talk about a lot though. In that, it's just like it's part, and you know, and again, this is you know, your demographic is very, very different to ours. But it's our message would just be: look, at some point you're going to be hungry. Like it's not something to fear and to think that is going to like, you know, going to ruin your progress. Like I think that's quite a common thing, isn't it? And and 
like you say, in this day and age, people are seem to be so frightened to be hungry. But that's a that's a mindfulness thing as well. Is you know one of the things that like meditation mindfulness teaches you is to to notice feelings and be aware of feelings and you know say right, I am hungry or I am anxious or whatever it is, and then just sit with it and go. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a feeling. You know, this emotion is just a it's just a reaction to what's going on in my body, but it it's going to go away. Mm. Uh, and it's that everything is transient thing. And so hunger is exactly the same. So that's mindful, Dan. Yeah, I, I'm well. I'm awful at it. You know, what I'm like. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually I made a conscious decision the other day. We talked about um, how I tried doing the bulk again and miserably failed again, and how I just didn't enjoy training or anything really for a couple of months mm-hmm. and already I've been back now training for like six days and I just I'm really enjoyed it I enjoyed today I've been a bit hungry and I just I'm, I, I got a goal and I'm focused on it and I think that I'm gonna stop um of course this is this is the first time I've talked about this on this podcast actually because I decided over Christmas but I'm not actually gonna try and do the whole bulk and cut thing anymore because it just leads me to tr- to go to one extreme to the other and actually I'm going to diet down for April and then I'm going to stay fairly lean-ish but just basically be aware of it's okay to be hungry for three or four days of the week and then three or four days have a nice meal and it's okay and then have another photo shoot in 12 weeks time or something like that because I think I think photo shoots are not as extreme as, as competing so you don't have to look as in the same way. Um, but I've just realized to me that I just need a goal. I need something to look forward to and just eating more food and trying to lift my weights is not a goal. It's just... It's just nothing really, and it's just quite, quite a loose thing to be doing. Um, so I've realised for me that I just need goals and I need something there to to help me. And I think next time I go through that, I'm going to need a coach to help me because I just can't do it myself. I think that's quite a. I think that's okay to kind of recognise. I think people are so afraid to ask for help sometimes. Um, but I, I just realised I was like, I've just tried it for a third time, and it's just like it's ridiculous. I'm wasting my time doing it. So what you're saying is you're going to probably go to more like an intuitive sort of maintenance approach. That's not what I'm going to call it though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to call it intuitive, no. But no, you're right. No, exactly that. And kind of like use other, other I suppose, data points to kind of gauge where I'm at, whether it's weight, whether it's how I look, whether it's all these sorts of things. But it's always been trying to push a weight up or trying to push a weight down rather than keeping a weight where it is or being content with that and all this sort of stuff. Um but yeah, I think it's just more having a goal. As soon as I've had this goal, I'm like back on it again. Um, but I went off on one there because I want to talk about one thing. Um, and you've said meditate quite a few times. How the fuck do you meditate? Because, right, I sit there and it's like, oh, just empty your brain of all your thoughts. I'm like, well, that lasts two seconds. Then you just think of something again. So like, what is your like idiot's guide? Idiot guys for strategy. Because I would fall in the same category. I just don't get it. Like, I just don't. I'm like, and I and I don't. And I, maybe it's a patience thing. I understand that 100. percent But when people, well, you have say, none. Like, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when people say empty your brain, I I literally don't. I don't get it because you've got to be thinking of something. But it's not about. You're thinking about now. You're just thinking about literally being being well, mindful of what you're thinking right. of. Like all the things you've got to do. Then once you finish meditating, yeah, that's, but... I, was, I, was thinking, I was like, I'm going to try meditating. Like, right, wow. after this, I'm going to do the dishes. No, I would never say that. Um, I'm going <laughs> to write a training plan, or you know, I'm going to whatever. I just thought it was really. I honestly tried it, but I I just couldn't do it. It's not about emptying your brain. It's about no. Again, it's like noticing those thoughts and then just kind of letting them like pass over you. So. It's one of the meditation tracks I do, and she talks about it, and she says, you know, like, any thought that you have, 
um, you know, notice it and then just let it, like, just let it go on. And like, as if you're walking, I think she says, and like, if you're walking through like a forest and it's like all the trees around you, your thoughts, they're not going anywhere, but you're just kind of moving past them. Um, but the whole point of meditation is that you learn the practice of snapping yourself back. So like, if you listen to any of the meditation tracks on like any of the apps or YouTube or Spotify, whatever it is, they will always say when your thoughts drift, bring them back. And that's, that's the point of meditation. It's not having an empty mind. I know that some people might argue, but my mind isn't empty that often. Even when I'm meditating, like I, that happens to me too. But the whole point is that you can, you can bring yourself back to the present moment, which improves your mindfulness and, you know, in normal life. Is it more from what you're describing? It's more about directing focus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, it's rather, and, so it's more like a case of going, oh, I've got this massive to-do list, but I'm just going to relax about it. And chill out. And it'll be okay because it's going to still be, you know, like it's going to be there and it's like I've got the time to do it rather than rushing around all the time. Pretty much. <laughs> and then you refer yeah. back to it and maybe you'd pick out the most important parts of it and do those. Yeah, you better. don't, people expect like some sort of instantaneous reaction to meditation and it's yeah, not that's me. how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, why am I not, why am I not like really chilled out now? Basically, like, you want, you want a fat burner for meditation, mate. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want. You exactly. want instant gratification. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah, they probably exist, and there's probably a con man somewhere selling them. We used to not say they work. Um, also, a doctor. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, I think you're right. I think obviously it's one of those things. But I, I'm I'm notoriously like my missus will always say the same. Like she says the same. My family say the same. Um, and I've always been that way. Is that I just cannot sit still and do nothing. I'm awful at it. I'm awful at doing nothing. I'm always need to be doing something, even if. But I'd always, if there's work, if I've got to do this, I've got a bit of work I know to be done for Monday and it's Friday. I can't like, even if I have like Saturday morning to like relax, I've always planned that work in or I always make sure that I can't just sit and do nothing until Monday morning. Do you know what I mean? Like most people could just switch it off and then just get to it Monday morning. But I'm, I can't do that. And I, th and I know that like meditating or relaxing about it a bit more would help. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like I've always been that way. So it's like, what's the point of trying? There's so many different ways of like meditating though. And there's so many, like the app that I use that I always have on my Instagram, the Unplug app, they've got basically tracks for everything. They've got five minute tracks for like the middle of your day for a busy mind. And they have one that's like meditation when you're having a shit day and all these things. And they're really short. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you put a day at the end of that. Like, yeah, that's what? my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, you like trying different ones. I don't know which ones you've used, um, but yeah, no, I just I just remember one once, and it was just like you know, it's just one of those. Uh, they're just a bit corny. Some of them, like, I might have just had a bad one, but you know, they're just a bit like you're just relaxing. Letting your brain, and I'm just like, oh my god, like get on with it. I need, to, <laughs> you've got shit to do. It's just, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just, it is an impatience thing. I also think it's, it's just, um, I think if you dedicated time to it, and and I suppose like any form of training, right? You can't expect to go in like I can't expect to go in the gym and squat 200 kilos. Like you need to build up. And all that. I'm never, in fact, I'm never going to do that. But you know I mean, it's a case of like having to slowly train yourself, I suppose, to get better at it over time. Um, maybe one day I'll do it. Um, so maybe. much evidence behind it although it's some of it's quite sketchy there is so much evidence behind it like mm. food wise aside um and binge eating aside you know just to improve your general well-being is huge so you should try it more good. should we should we get into some questions now um 
was a bit, that was a bit heavy. But I mean, these questions could be heavy, heavy. to be fair, because they're they're from clients. So, uh, well, one of them's from one of my clients, and the other one's from a follower. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you get any, did you get any through, Tom? I did it last week. I can't bother to look back at the uh, thing. Oh, that's <laughs> but, but I was like, I was scrolling through. I was like, oh, it's taking a while. Um. <laughs> right. So then, <laughs> let's get the first question out of the way. Let's get the first question out of the way. The first question is, do you like the song Peaches and Cream? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what that means. But obviously there's a hidden meaning and uh, uh, we might as well know. Uh, this podcast you can't see my face can you <laughs> no no no, no. We, we, yeah. we can but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awful really awful yeah really awful i'm making awful it memories. Cool. cool okay um so the, the next question is from one of my clients um best advice for female lifters what would you have told yourself in the beginning <sighs> Um, eat more and stop doing so much cardio like when I started I had that same thing that probably you you'll probably see with your clients when you give them a set you give them maintenance calories and no cardio and they have a meltdown and tell you that it's too much food and they're going to get fat that's probably the best lesson I learned is that you can eat more than you think and you have to eat more than you think um and doing things like cardio and extra steps is, is only making things worse and slower. Um, I think that was probably the best lesson I learned to me, like 12 months to learn it, even with a coach. Um, I don't know if you guys see it as often as I do. I mean, that, that couldn't have been a better answer for the client who asked that question. To be fair, it applies to one of mine as well. So yeah, yeah. I, think, I think a lot of, a lot of females Mine's um, not female as well, so this is an issue. Yeah, I, I, it does happen to some males. It's just less of an extent it does happen to them. But um, is people don't understand how much food, A, that they can eat and they, their body can adapt to eating and not gain body fat. But also how much when you – this is going to sound a bit corny, but when you do give your body that food, it's almost like it's nourished. I'm going to use that word by it. But it's it almost works. like – people are so like – people are Sorry, so what? Into, <laughs> people are so into like – depriving their body and like the deprivation side of things but they don't actually like to provide it with nutrients and make it i don't know make it work that's not again that's a bit of a shit word um but i think especially with this client in question like she's done amazingly like she's one of my clients she's done amazingly well like two two months in i know that for her eating more food has been difficult but in about 10 weeks she's smashing all her lifts she looks leaner but has gained muscle mm-hmm. weight stay pretty much the same and it's just like yeah, awesome. she yeah you know, she could be happier, and it's one of those things where a lot of females need to hear that. Um, they you know you really don't know how much you can and should be eating, and in particular, I'm going to say carbs, because um, a lot of females don't eat that many carbs. Yeah. And who doesn't love a good bowl of cereal? Crave. We'll get, no, we'll get to that in a minute. Jesus We're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> don't, jump, don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. Um, so that was my and Tom hasn't got any questions because he can't be able to look for No, so I've I've already written some down, mate. So of my, question, my, uh, my preference. Well I wanted to ask. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that could be who knows what that could be. <laughs> um, so the next question is I kind of, I suppose you've kind of answered it already, but I think it's gonna link into what you've already previously said. But how do you stay focused on your goals? Do you even have any goals, I suppose is the first question. But how do you stay focused on your goals? Meditate, there you go. Done. Yeah. This is like quite um, timely. I checked in. So I work with Steve Hall 
um, for my strength programming um, because I didn't. I, I came back from Cali last year after three months and I had no goals. I was so weak. I was I just didn't feel good at all. So I started working with him and I. Um, he's great. Just he just does my strength programming and nothing else. Um, and I checked in with him yesterday and I was like, I, um, I'm training. I'm pushing myself. I don't really care about it. I'm not tracking my steps. I'm not tracking my sleep. I'm not tracking my food. But I'm eating. I'm eating enough protein and I'm eating well. And I have nothing else to say. I have no goals, particularly. I had to take five or six weeks off over Christmas because I had some health things, so I couldn't train. Um, and so I'm I'm weaker than I was when I left for Christmas. So I'm weak. I've got no structure in my eating. I just eat intuitively, as you know. And I have no no data. I don't weigh myself ever. I don't take measurements ever. Um, so I have no goals. And it's just a case of that's just life. Sometimes you can't be, nobody's motivated all the time. And it's the, the issue that I have a lot with social media is that it's always like transformation Tuesday or throwback. I'm, I'm doing this to get to that point, but better. Or, you know, there's, there's always people like we glorify like having goals and we glorify having physique goals all the time um, or strength goals or whatever it is. And I, I don't think you always need to have them. I, yeah. I, just, I just think people put too much emphasis on it. If you know what your values are, my values right now are are not aesthetics in any way, not really strength. As long as my health is good, that's fine. And so I'm I'm reaching my goals because I'm healthy. So I think if you're not reaching your like physique goals and your strength goals, you kind of have to reassess what your actual goals are in life and see where you're hitting your goals elsewhere because those ones are generally more important. I think I talked about this on on Instagram like over the new year with the whole new year goals and stuff, and it's like. It just so happens that January is a good time to start and plan new goals. But like realistically, you, you're only going to last three, four months. Like you can't be going, oh, 2019, by the end of the year, I'm going to do this. It's like, no, you should be planning short term goals. Like there's no point looking further than April, like because so much can change between now and then. Um, and obviously, I've, I've set myself a physique goal in terms of what I want to achieve. But I think that like you touched on it then. One thing I can't stand and really annoys me is like when they go, Oh, body goals. Someone goes body goals. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're not that. You've not got their skeleton. You're not their height. You've not got their hair color. But you want to look like them. It's not going to happen. And like, I think that with that Instagram thing has got a lot to to answer up to from from that side. I think I hate I hate that. I did I a hate that graphic of body goals. A whole oh, graphic God. just on body goals because it drives me bonkers. Like when my clients say it. I'm like, I don't even like it when you say mindset goals. I want you to have your like your own mindset is better than body goals, but it's it it drives me nuts. I'm with you. <laughs> it sounds like Daniel really bitter, and somebody's tagged themselves like hashtag body goals for Mike and not you. Yeah, no, that's that, well, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Why would? <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's what it is. I think because I'm so small, and so puny that I just I'm just rebelling because it's like I'll never get there. So I'm, I'm just the guy that's. Like, you're oh, you're you the guy there. that's actually doing the hashtag body goals, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting there crying at night because I'm nowhere near my hashtag body goals. <laughs> You can be mindset goals, Dan. Mindset yeah, goals, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I haven't got that either, to be fair. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 one of my um, one of my clients actually said to me once that she she said if you actually asked quite a lot of people, like everyday general public, whether they would actually like your physique as opposed to like a bodybuilder or, or you know like the the big Olympia guy, said like you'd be like most people would say yours, and I think that's also the thing that people. Forget. I mean, I, I'll take that as a compliment. I didn't think it. I didn't think it was because they look horrific. But um, it's one of those things. Where I think like people don't realise sometimes how good they look, and I think we're all guilty of that to some degree. Um, and I think 
we're all in, you know, most of us in a pretty decent place. Everyone listens to this podcast, probably weight trains and stuff. And like, you just, like you said, have to enjoy that. And I, and I've had such a change in how I feel about it all just in three weeks, just since before Christmas, just because I had time off. I've got, like I said, a goal or I've got a date to work towards or something that's driving me. And I'm just like, it's weird how that can just change you straight away, but I, it could be the time off, to be fair, as well. Um, yeah, because you never take time off, ever. I do not take time off, ever, no, um, unfortunately. Tom would make the difference. Tom would say, I don't <laughs> Jesus. Um, I don't know how you live, yeah. Like, <laughs> every third week. Deload week is like holiday week. That's what happens, right? No? Yeah, that's it, mate. Um, <laughs> but it's, my, I, it's my fault. It's my fault for all my amazing celebrity, tri- um, celebrity, celebrity trips, clients. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's fine. Stop training those. But I yeah. concur with you, mate, because it, it, like January not round. I didn't train for two weeks. First session, I did like a guilty session and like killed myself for about two hours. And Tom. Oh, that's oh, like no. a trigger word that's right there. It's going to be like, oh, what are you doing? No, I know. But, it, <laughs> but I saw it because somebody was moaning about it being like yeah this is a bad thing to do and i was like fuck it i'm gonna go do it now because just because you said that you've just triggered me to go do it that's fine um but then oh, yeah, i've got a plan anyway so i was just like oh that doesn't start till monday let's go abuse myself so that'd be fun um but it was it was kind of like the whole january thing of it flipping around and saying this is the best time to start and doing a load of stuff and it is 100 mm-hmm. because everybody else is doing it social aspects are great so I don't, I don't understand if there's any kind of, I don't know, negativity about people going, oh, you should be setting your goals all the way. I think it was all the way through December. Like, yeah, this, this is the best time to start. I was like, fuck off. No, it's not. January's better because there's, no, there's nothing much around you. All your social aspects are so much easier. It's like, make it easier for I yourself. Think, I think fuck. it's one of those where, like, you just had two, like, most people have had two weeks off as well. I think that's always a time where people actually go, I'm not stressed with work. I'm not busy. Like, what is actually important to me? Like, what do I actually want to focus on? And there are quite a lot of people... I think the reason that they stop with their training and their nutrition or whatever it might be, most everyday people in gyms or whatever, would be because work gets on top of them. Yep. Most people, like I used to, when I used to train clients PT, the number one reason for cancellations, I'm stuck at work. Number one reason. And it, and it just goes to show that people even waste 75 pounds to stay at work because they've got no other choice. And it's one of those things where I think a lot of people, uh, there's been a lot of threads on Facebook, obviously, about oh, you should have started in December or whatever. And it's like, you're not committed if you don't start in December. It's like, fuck off, mate. Like, chill out. Like, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but they're usually the guys that train on Christmas Day. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's whatever. Do what you want. I train um, on Christmas Day. Yeah, you, of course you would. I have to do. But <laughs> my family, we all train. We all have different. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm so now, like, on board with the, gen- with the more the general public thing than I ever used to be. Because I think I, I obviously now spend more time working with them and all that sort of stuff. But it, it's amazing how quick the fitness industry are to slate people who are in the gym. I find it baffling. Yeah, but it's always been that way. I think it's better than it, than it was before. People just think that having an opinion is is a good thing. And sometimes when it's a really stupid opinion, it's not a good thing to do. And especially when you've got something like Instagram, we can publicize that stupid opinion. Like... I just think, I kind of just think, and I say quite a lot in my podcast, in my podcast, in my Instagram now is nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit what you're doing. Nobody gives a shit. You shouldn't give a shit what anyone else is doing. Nobody cares. They don't care what your goals are. They don't care what you look like. They care. People that love you care if you're healthy and you're happy and that's it. So if you're looking for social support, if you're looking for someone to tell you that you should have goals in January, if you're looking for someone to tell you that you shouldn't have goals in January, then, then more for you. Nobody cares. I think that's people need to learn. 
Nobody cares. That's the Nobody sound bite. Cares. That's the sound bite. <laughs> right there. It's true though. No, you're right. It is true. Like I think the other thing that people get so caught up with is, and I I noticed that you, and I think it comes back to being authentic and that sort of stuff is like, people are very selfish and they want information from you or they want they all they care about is how can you help them they don't really care about you a huge amount like all the followers you've got they don't really care about you they might like your stuff and they enjoy <laughs> what you put out but like they're all my friends they want yeah that's my, my best friends um <laughs> like they follow you because you can help them because they want to extract that information from you and the amount of people who post on instagram like look at me look how great i look yeah. all right brilliant but you're not really helping anyone like you're adding to the issue Um, (laughs) and it's like the people who actually go in well i know i know you don't really like too much self-deprecation but the people that are actually like look i'm not that great like i'm just this whatever um they're the people that people can relate to more um maybe not the way i do it or we do it but maybe we just go too far with it i didn't even speak to you guys like last summer when you left and then things separated and you guys had your own brand and it was it's really obvious to see who um it's really it's the authenticity regardless of what it is it's really attractive to adult yeah to clients and to to friends and other people and and you're not authentic when you're wearing like booty scrunched leggings and you're doing a glute pose as much as i do that i do caption it with a gratitude caption so it's totally <laughs> legit um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it, people can see right through it I think more so now people can see through it mm. like, uh, yeah you don't buy a plan based on how somebody looks anymore thank god yeah slowly getting there, I think slowly <laughs> we slowly turning the wheel right so it's good um, I want to go back on your a little bit diving back because I'm a little bit more interested in uh, how what journey you've come on I mean because I've uh, I've read all your about me stuff on your uh, on your website. Just been updating that literally before the podcast. I was just retyping it. Oh really? Like, right. I, well, I read it last week, and there's, there's how there. have I not read it? All right, I mean, right Jesus now. Christ, do your research, mate. So I, I was scrolling through Instagram all the way to the beginning just to see what was happening. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I wasn't doing that because that's yeah, just accidentally liking stuff. It's fine. Um, <laughs> sure that was. <laughs> So it's interesting because you're how you perceive yourself now um, from following for a, a few months is more mindfulness psychology based. But your degrees in so your association nutrition, lecturer in sports nutrition, bachelor's degree in sports biomedicine, uh, MSc in sports exercise nutrition, and PhD in exercise physiology. I don't think any of those really cover psychology that much. No, they uh, don't. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> um, you get a little bit in like a nutrition master's, but not really. I yeah, I think maybe maybe the avenue of like uh, say like Gary Mendoza with behavioural change is that yeah, the kind of stuff. Uh, a little bit, but not really. To be honest, it came from initially came from my own experience of people around me um, and the world that I was competing in, etc. The interest came from that. I did like my um, like a life coaching like level seven, and that's very much based on psychology and behavior change. And it's kind of like it's really like it's, I guess it's like it's, it's quite spiritual. Um, but that was that's the only kind of learned stuff that I've done. Um, and so I'm obviously very aware of my psychological limitations in the sense of that's why I don't work with people with actual eating disorders and things. They they 
are referred out. Um, yeah. But it's just through my own research from that point onwards. As soon as I finished my PhD, I was like, screw this, I never want to work in a lab again. I hate it. Um, and I hate, I hate that side of science. Um, and then since then, I've, you know, like I've got one of my old clients is a psychology lecturer and she competes and she and we're looking to do some research, funded research into like uh, mindfulness based eating behaviours and um, post show and, and female competitors. So that's kind of the avenue that we're going to go down. And so at least then I'll have some sort of research in the area, which is obviously important for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my background is nothing like it. It just came from me having a bit of a messed up head, really. <laughs> Truly authentic. <laughs> We've all got a bit of a messed up head. I wouldn't worry about it. But yeah. It's just different different areas, isn't it? Um, no, it's cool. No, I think, it's, it's, I think it's... You, do, you do always kind of gravitate to what you have experienced there, right? It's easier for you to talk about and draw on that experience. Yeah. And also, even though you've gone through what you find most interesting about your chosen subject or whatever, um, within nutrition, within sport, within bodybuilding, you eventually decided that maybe, yeah, the behavior stuff is far more you, which I think is great. So, and also no one does it like for me there's nobody else that really does it and it's not that's not from a business point of view that's from a genuine i like i put my post out genuinely to try and help people like you guys do that's why you have instagram it's it's not for to get clients per se i've got pictures with dogs so i'm not really helping anybody so. sure, is that <laughs> <laughs> no there's 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 some like helpful posts that when i when basically you can tell when i'm actually working because I don't post at all, which is usually a lot. So, but yeah. Oh, but I'm busy. I'm so busy. I'm so, I'm busy, so busy. I can't do it. Yeah. Not like your dad. <laughs> I rely on other people to do it. It's fine. No. <laughs> my salary is not based off my Instagram following, so I'm okay. Thank <laughs> fuck. So otherwise, I'd be screwed. So. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly would be, mate. You absolutely would be. Um, so, I think that uh, the only the things left really to ask are the. The non the non serious questions really that we've got left to ask that we ask ask everyone, I think unless Tom wants to ask you anything in particular. But I don't know. There was only there was only because we don't always like. I mean, Dan's like a fake bodybuilder, so it's nice to have somebody that <laughs> has competed a, a, more times than Daniel and has more muscle mass and so. more muscle mass. To be fair. <laughs> so I think it's just just for people because they're like I realised the. We probably do have a lot of listeners who will be thinking of competing this year, 100%, or are going into, or they want to do bikini competitions, or um, is there any advice? What was the maybe the hardest thing you found through prep, or any of the most satisfying thing you found by doing prep, why you would encourage somebody to do it, and why you discourage somebody to do it, maybe behavior traits, like traits, whatever? Um, okay, competing's really fun. Like, I did it for five years. Um, the main reason I stopped was because I came second and then I was like I can never come first in Britain because these young girls are like 10 years younger than me and they've already got more muscle than me so it was like at that point I was like I'm going to bow out at that point I do love competing I do love the sport um, I would never encourage or discourage anyone to do it if someone says I really really want to do it and this is why and they give me reasons why then great if someone says to me I'm not sure then I'll say right go away and think about it this is the thing you have to look at I, because it's so intense um, and it takes over your entire life um, completely. And if you want to do that, that's that's great. But I'm never going to encourage somebody to do that um, because I know what it costs you. It, you know, like I've been in situations and I've seen situations where it costs you 
um, like your relationship, it affects your work, all of these things. And so I would I would hate to be somebody that said, right, you should definitely go and compete when they're not sure. And then they split up with their boyfriend and they lose their job because they can't perform properly because it, it takes over your life that much. Um, if somebody's got any current disordered eating, then that is a strong case of discouragement. That's the one that I might definitely don't compete. Unless you're willing. If you, you've got to have a healthy relationship with food to start with. Otherwise, don't compete. I think that there are people that have had disordered eating in the past. So, like, I was one of those people. And competing, basically, having a structure like competing actually really helped me uh, manage it. But... I was kind of over it by that point when I started competing and I think that if you're if you're well and truly in a healthy place then that's fine but if you've got any sort of underlying you know binge eating or disordered eating then definitely not compete okay. um, but it is it's fun and you you know you get a trophy at the end of it and get some good pictures that's literally it like you get this sense of achievement where you go I've, I've done that and that's amazing and I've got this really strong sense of achievement but you can get that sense of achievement from something else that doesn't cost you all of the other things. And it's expensive. It costs you loads of money, as well as your boyfriend and your job. <laughs> Probably kids as well. So Dan, did you lose your boyfriend when uh yep. when he compared? Shit. <laughs> That's it, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it's I, I've had a couple of clients go through it and the the worrying trend for me at the moment seems to be that they com- people compete and then they literally ditch well, if they've got a good coach um, and they think they don't need a coach afterwards and it's like, do you know what? Like, You need a coach for afterwards. Like, You need a coach afterwards more than you need a coach before. Um, it's not hard to eat less food, move more and all that sort of stuff. It's the, the objectivity of like, how do you look and are you going to do well and that sort of stuff. But I think there's just so much pressure now on people to compete and they think they're going to win. And I'm like, you wouldn't just rock up to a flipping go-karting track and play against professionals and be like, oh, I'm going to win. Like, it just doesn't happen. And I think that with competing, there's this perception of like, oh, I go to the gym oh, I can diet a little bit, so I think I'm going to do it. And it seems to be a common trend. Oh, it was. I don't know if it's quite... It's, I think it it totally is. It ago. totally is. Like, I trained... I competed for five years. Came second for it, and when it wasn't... It wasn't a huge number of girls on stage, maybe, like, 30. Um, and that was a year and a half ago. Now, I wouldn't stand a chance. These girls are... They've got more muscle mass. I mean, they're 10 years younger. And unfortunately, like I say to most of the girls, I'd say 90% of the girls are on drugs. And if you don't want to do that, I'm not judging either way. Um, I don't have clients that are on drugs. That's not what I do. But um, unfortunately, for a lot of girls, you kind of have to be willing to... If you want to be a pro, then that's probably the route you're going to have to go down. And, And... it doesn't matter if you can train and diet. Like, yeah. girls have got so much more muscle mass than you think. Bikini girls have got so much more muscle mass yeah. than you think when you look at them. They look tiny on stage, but in their off season, they're twenty kilos heavier than you are when you're like at your leanest. So, and, and it's just that whole thing of, like, say, not understanding the requirements, but also remembering that these people are at the top of their game and they're genetic. They're genetically blessed, just like every footballer at the top of their game is. They were born to play football. Like some of these girls, are, and even the guys. They're born to do this. Like their frame, their shape, their abs, their chest, the way they're proportioned. Like they're born to do it. And like, I do think it's, I, I don't want to say disrespectful to just assume that you can jump up there and compete. But I think when people say like, oh, you can compete, I'm, I'm going to compete. It's like, you're not going to compete. You're going to turn up because you're not competing with them. They are the best of the best. Like you're going to rock up. Much like I did when I competed. Like I didn't compete. I rocked up and I hated that feeling. I was there going, what the fuck am I doing here? 
it was it was good. It was nice to be on stage in front of the lights. But then I realized that you get the same feeling from doing a photo shoot. And at a photo shoot, you're the best person there. You and you can and you can and you can stand however you want to stand. You take as many shots as you want to shot as you want, as you want to take, and you're you're happy with the end result regardless. Yeah. Because because you're you're proud of what you've achieved. Whereas when you look at your stage pictures, if you didn't win, you're looking at that going, oh, that person won next to me. They look better than me. They look better than me. And I think there's an element to it where. I've, no, I've said I'll never ever do it again, ever. Um, and I get because I I love doing photo shoots. I I'm not afraid to say that I like the vain side of looking good and having a picture for it. And I didn't get that from competing. There's no picture of me competing. I didn't get one because I looked. I thought I didn't competed. And like, well, yeah, I I thought and I felt like I looked shit. So I've never really put it anywhere because for me it's just not to go to that level of the the, the extreme condition required. It, I don't think you look any better. The personally, then then uh, then you do a photo shoot. Yeah, you're being judged and stuff. But that's the only reason that you get to that condition because you're up against so and so who's even more conditioned. Whereas at a photo shoot, you can be like, no, actually, I'm pretty content with how I look there. Like, I'm, I'm, I, and I think it's 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 a, it, it also gives you that healthy relationship with going. Well, you can you can book a photo shoot when you want to book it. If you need to if you need to push it back ten weeks, you can push it back ten weeks. Whereas a show is very dependent on that day, and like you said, it can then force you to be. It affects your relationships and that sort of stuff. Whereas if you have a photo shoot, you can go, actually, I need to put this on hold for four weeks, eat a bit more food, you know, got a bit more stuff on than I thought I had. Um, and it just gives you that flexibility. But uh, that's my view. But Yeah, it's also <laughs> really not compassionate towards yourself whatsoever. So I struggle to, I have certain clients that compete now, but there's like there's special girls for whatever reason that I work with them. Um, and they're, they're great to work with, but I don't take on a lot of competitive clients because I really struggle to say, <clears throat> this is going to be really the least compassionate thing you're ever going to do towards yourself. But by the way, you should meditate and you should look at fuel as, uh, food as nourishment and you should love yourself and you should value your self-worth. But unfortunately, you're shit this week because you didn't lose a kilo. So it's hard to... It's hard <laughs> a well, I think that covered with fucking everything there. I can't think it's just opened, opened out for bodybuilding. So yeah, interesting, mate. We've gone. Casual questions... Let's open, open up, I don't know, Dan's little box of tricks. Whatever you're going to say. Well, we are, well, well Amelia's, already, Amelia's huh? always, already mentioned her favourite cereal. Yeah, I know. Amazing, right? But you're going to now go top three, though. Top three cereals? Uh, cinnamon Grahams, whatever they're called. Good choice. They're good. They're number one. They're called Curiously Cinnamon. A real fan would know that, I mean. I know. I've got them in my pocket, <laughs> but they're Cinnamon Grahams to me. I know what you mean. Golden Grahams is where they were forever, right? Yeah, chocolate, hazelnut crave, and blueberry shaded wheat, the mini ones. Oh, you were doing so well. Yeah. They're so good with hot milk. Oh. All <laughs> with milk. To make the shreddies go, like, soggy Just quicker. Like soggy. The shredded oh. wheat. Oh, my bit. God, yeah. So, Dan, I haven't even given my... The, the face-to-face review of the Starbucks, what is it, cereal latte. Mm. It was never going to be good, mate. It was never going to make like, it was with oat milk. It was never going to be good. I didn't even know what it was. I was just like, all right, I'm going to go have it. And yeah, so you get the cup. And then they, they literally sprinkled Cheerios on top of like the latte. So there's little bits of Cheerio. Because I was drinking it through the cup. Just go like, soggy. I was just like, what soggy. the fuck's this? Yeah. I was, like, <laughs> I was yeah. like, it tastes like, I was like, I know it's a cereal latte. And I'm guessing there is cereal. So I just thought it'd be oat milk. And I was like, that's probably what the cereal is. They literally put Cheerios in it. And I was like, Bleh. I was like, I don't really like hot milk on cereal, apart from porridge, obviously. But I was just like, it's not a cereal. It's not, uh, nah. it's not a cereal. It's not a cereal, is it? It's not a cereal. So, <laughs> all right, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, you need to know this stuff. You know. 
But yeah, it was just the texture. I, of that I, was I called just it shit. as soon as someone said to me, they're like, "Oh, I'm looking forward." I was like, "No, it's gonna be shit. Guarantee it. <laughs> shit." Because oat milk and they try and froth it up, and it was always gonna be a bit grainy and like it's not a good thing you want with your. I think it's always like, bad for like me or you because we like the taste of coffee too much for it yeah. to be watered down so much by a latte it was not cool all right was that, was that in the uk or was that when you were away no it's in the uk just launched limited yeah. edition or right yeah limited oh you love it because it it's plant-based so it's all good isn't it favorite <laughs> so there's another question why why are you so plant-based i no. used to be veggie like before years and years ago i used to be veggie um and then i stopped obviously <laughs> we were really, our, uh, and really we needed more calories, and so we were like, we need to start eating some sort of meat. So that was when I was a kid, and now I just like it. I love, I love veggie food. I still eat meat, but I also I'm very much like because I'm trying. I'm like 32. I'm really focused on my health right now, and um, for me, like um, having a variety of plant-based foods. So you know, there's that target of 30 plant-based foods, a variety of 30 plant-based foods to improve your gut health or to maintain maximal optimal gut health. Over a year, yeah. Per week, Daniel. Per oh, week. Per week. Yeah. So that, but 30. that's like, like nuts. That's like nuts, seeds, spices, fruits, vegetables. I can't remember the last time I had a nut. Genuinely, I can't Same. remember. Same. Peanut butter. I genuinely can't remember the last time I had a nut. It's not something I go with. It's just not something I go for. I'm not. I don't either. But, but 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 hang on, but you're you're intelligent. So why have we cut out meat to be healthier? I haven't cut out meat. I haven't cut it out. I still eat it. And plant based doesn't mean yeah, plant based is not vegan. I exactly. learned this by uh, talking to that pixie woman, and she was like, "No, no, no, I still do. I still eat fish." And I was like, "Don't call yourself plant based then." Yeah, but that's it's why she changed her name. Just, so. just say, just say, I'm an eater. <laughs> by saying plant based, you're you, you kind of shows insinuates you think that but, meat yeah. is bad. Surely it just it just says the majority of the plate is made up with plants. Exactly, the meal is plant based. If if there's a base, you can still put shit on top, mate. I I can't remember the last time I saw you probably eat some meat would have been Christmas dinner. So I don't think plant based over the last two weeks is all the meals you post are like eat lean cheese with like. Who are you talking to? Me or me or many? Not you, you clown. You've, <laughs> you've eaten four bits of meat today already, probably. Um, Way more than that, mate. Jeez. I know. I, I don't like it that much. Oh, that's all right, then. That's fine. As I long as that's I, like, I want to eat more of it. <laughs> I wish I liked to eat more meat because it's good for me, yeah. generally. And it's good for my training and it's good for my protein intake. But and as a female, red meat is good for you. So I've never eaten red meat. I can't, I can't digest red meat. Mm. Oh, it's gorgeous. No. I ate yesterday, mate. Yeah, I had steak yesterday as well. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. The rarest bit of steak you can imagine. Yeah, it was good. Two minutes um, each side. Some, like, rare. It was two minutes each side. Yeah, it was great. It was good. Uh, I wish we had. I wish we had video on this. Glad <laughs> <laughs> you don't. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also just had a massive order of eat lean cheese coming because I started dying. So that's good. That stuff is good. Yeah, it's good. The um, normal one or the smoked one? I want to try the smoked one. No, I've had it before. It, it's, it just smells smoked. It doesn't really taste of it. No. I just get the grated one. I have to have it pre-grated. It makes it, it slows better. It's already grated. Is it? Uh, I've never tried it, but the pre-grated, like normal cheese is shit. No, it just melts better for me. Like, because the eat lean cheese doesn't taste, Tom, Tom, it's not like cheese as you know it, mate. It doesn't taste a huge amount like cheese. It's more about having a protein source, um, you know, and it tastes a bit cheesy, like stringy. Um, but I also like the, spread, the spreadable ones really good as well. Yeah, but you eat like half a tub in, in like one serving. 
Well, I, I don't. I don't. I'm mindful. <laughs> I'm mindful. So I just <laughs> bottomless. So. Uh, um, so next question is favorite diet beverage. Fizzy beverage. Pepsi Max Cherry. Get that fan away. <laughs> fan is a poor choice. Dutch pepper, not bad. No. Pepsi Max Cherry is classic. See, Pepsi Dan posted. You posted this a six out of ten the other day. I no, did, I did the pink one. grapefruit one because that oh, the right. orange isn't that bad. I got the pink grapefruit thinking, oh, this is going to be incredible. And it tasted like fizzy water. Yeah, you're oh, wrong. Really? No, no, I'm not wrong. That's what it tasted like. <laughs> What's your problem with Fanta, Mia? It's just, it's just kind of like shit orange juice. Like it's like watered down Robinson's fizzy orange juice. It's just not that. It's what, all right. yeah, that think, sounds, that think... sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think too many of the like the brown ones like dr pepper zero coke you know too many of them t- it gets a bit much you need one to yeah, cut yeah. through it and my one to cut through it is lilt zero that's the one that lilt cuts zero through. is the one or, or no because seven up's worse than fanta you can't seven, have seven up, no, fanta. yeah because seven You've up's terrible lemonade. right lemonade. because seven up and sprite are, are too fizzy you gotta go have yeah, normal I lemonade agreed. but if you're dying and you want more feds because you're starving, so more fizz is more bloat. One, <laughs> one, one of the best ones that I've had that's like an own brand one, Waitrose, own brand, cloudy lemonade, no added Ooh, sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that is had... very good. Try it. Any, Try it. any cloudy like lemonade is class. Mm. Do they do pink one? I like pink ones. Well, ask them, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the next one is... Oh, you're not going to... I'm not asking you this question. You, in fact, you know, your answer is going to be the worst one we've ever had, actually. Now, I've decided. Oh, it probably but... is. But what <laughs> if you could have anything on top of a burger, what would it be? Oh, I'd have a chickpea burger. You'll be your audience, Dan. Um... Like, like, you're, allowed, you're, allowed your own, you're allowed your own whatever vegan base. Whatever, uh, plant-based or burger. Or whatever you want to call the it. Best, the shroom best... burger? I don't know. <laughs> Is it no. cauliflower? No, M&S did that cauliflower, didn't they? Do you remember the cauliflower? Oh, it was vile, absolutely terrible. Yeah, yeah. They were. What was it? Just cauliflower? Yeah, M&S they, did like they, they did like, like a cauliflower burger, and it was just Tesco like, did a load of them as well. They're just like they're just yeah, burgers just made it. They did like beetroot <laughs> one, then a like butternut squash one. Just it's just a, a cylinder of that like as a a burger, and I was oh. like. What is it? Vicky bought it and was like, "Yeah, yeah, like we, we could try it as like the the veg on the side." I was like, "Just because it's shaped like a burger doesn't mean when I want to eat it." It's like it's fucking terrible. I'd rather have the real thing. The question we usually ask is the question we usually ask is, "What's your favorite? If you could have anything, what's your favorite burger topping?" And this is going to be dreadful answer. And then also, if you could have any milkshake to go with it, what would it be? Right? Can I? Um, the best burger I've had because I don't really eat them is. The one from GBK that's got like blue cheese sauce on it. What's that one? Do you know the one that I mean? Probably, probably blue cheese. It's blue cheese one. Is that what it's called? <laughs> that one with like the crispy onions on it. That's a decent. That's decent. No. Crisp, crispy onions, I can go for. Like that's yeah, a, that's a staple in my house. house. You can like create. You don't have to pick one that you've had. You could literally go. If I was going to make my perfect burger, it would be this. Yeah. And put whatever you want on it. A pizza. Be a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> pizza burger. Yeah. It's a legit thing. Sauce. I don't have an answer. I don't. No. I, I don't eat them. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that's the worst answer we ever had. So, so what, no, what about milk? Milkshakes. What about a milkshake? Anything in a milkshake? Got to have. Mm-hmm. Dairy milk caramel with mm. almond butter with. Mm. Soy milk, probably. 
I was going to say actually oat milk. And, <laughs> and that's probably it. Maybe some tequila in there too. Ooh, heart shake. Mm. Nice. So I think that would be pretty good. You definitely wouldn't go tequila, tequila though. No. Tequila's vile. Tequila's tequila. absolutely disgusting. Yeah. No, but tequila... The it might cut through it quite nicely. Coffee tequila in that, honestly, game changer. No, not having it. Have you tried coffee tequila? <laughs> no, yes. knowing Dan, definitely not. <laughs> yes, I have. I have, I have tried coffee, coffee tequila. I tried it here because we videoed it for YouTube. I had it here. I wouldn't know. Because, um, yeah, you're a real super fan. You are. You That's it. Um, because one of my clients, Natalie, she brought it back from America. Um, and it was vile. It was hideous. It tasted nothing like coffee. I'd rather just have an espresso shot. No, it tastes like a liqueur. It's good. In a milkshake, that would be good. Yeah, but just oat milk. Much. It's an oat milk milkshake. So Oat milk milkshake. Not ridiculous. cool. Really? Oh, it tastes like cereal. <laughs> no, we established it doesn't taste anything like cereal. It's not as good as cereal. I'd rather just like blend it some cereal and have the residue of that milk. Like just put some cereal in a bowl and then like whatever the milk. Like, I used to hate it as a child. And now I've kind of learned. I was like, ah, oh, no, it just tastes like the cereal. It's great. No, because then you'd be like sucking up all those little bits at the bottom. Yeah, just... Even no. more calories, it's great. Amelia, have you been to Serial Killer Cafe? And no, I've been to like a version of it in Manchester. Oh. But the portions are too small. What? Well, not the Serial Killer Cafe. No, not, not, not the one we the went milk, to. The milk portion The milk small. portion was too small. But then, like, yeah, you... the ridiculousness of the bowl that we had was, yeah. What size was it? Show me Large, like... I'm sure. Um, I don't know, there's a picture of us both eating it some, somewhere. <laughs> Oh. You can get different sizes as well, so like you can go for it or not. But it was, it was they're incredible. You've got to go there because they, yeah, they'll even cater for your plant-based milk needs, so you're fine. You can go there. Where is that? In London? Oh, there's, uh, oh, there's well, two in London. There's one in like Birmingham as well, isn't there? I think it closed down that one. I think it's just Did in it? London. So yeah. yeah, next time in London, you should go. And find it. Uh, yeah, I've always ignored them after I went to that first one, and I had to get two because it was so small. So that's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> do it in London. Um, is there anything else we need to go over? Um, not really, but there was a stupid thing that has just come out. I think it was today. Um, that you, you two can uh, both chime in. So stupid thing, isn't it? Uh, Siddig Khan, so the mayor of London. You see this post about um, his ads to combat childhood obesity. Oh, so on the, on the tube, we're uh, not allowed to have adverts of pesto, olive oil, and butter. Because, yeah, because, because all, that, all, all that the kids a, on that when they're getting from school. Yeah, and I was just like... Uh... <laughs> oh, my God. How- how posh are these How kids? How posh are these oh, kids mother. that they overeat on pesto? Yeah. <laughs> they, they're, they're having their antipasti and they're like, oh, can I have a ciabatta with some pesto on it? And, um, oh, only the grass-fed butter, though. <laughs> and can I get the balsamic vinegar for the dip for the olive oil, please? Like, no, they eat fucking cereal and chocolate, mate. What house does he live in? Is he fat out of interest? No, he's not. No, Sidney Khan's not. No. He's, he's, well, the whole story behind him, he was like from a working class background. He's not, but... He's like, yeah, my dad's a bus driver. He was a bus driver a long, long time ago. Brilliant. He drove yeah. a bus once. He drove a, <laughs> drove a bus. <laughs> and now you're the mayor of London. I think you're doing all right, mate. Yeah. Um, so, like, so like, well, Joe Wicks ain't going to be happy for a start, is he? Um, <laughs> but like, what, I bet there'll be people who are telling people that like sugar and carbs are killing people. They'll be the ones that are in uproar about it. I mean, I'll just look at it and go, that's just stupid because kids yeah. aren't eating that. But what is the... Uh, I just don't get the angle. It's the rationale. Yeah. 
Like, this there's, there's food on just not marketed to children for a start. And, and like, how many kids are on the tube going, oh, I wonder what I'm yeah. for dinner tonight? Like, <laughs> <looking around> like, <laughs> but also, now there's like subliminal messaging so that those kids that can read what olive oil and pesto is, now they're going to see it on the tube and be like, oh, I really want some olive oil and some pesto for dinner. So it's like counterintuitive. Yeah, they're going to see that they're not allowed it and they're going to want it. You yeah. tell kids they can't, they can't have something, they want it. And they really want pesto. Maybe it's just like all the private schools that just have like that. Maybe. Like, There's a lot of private schooling just, in London. So. I just can't imagine. <laughs> I just, uh, well, I'll, I'll soon find out in a few years' time when Isabel gets a bit older. <laughs> I'm craving for pesto. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, ridiculous. That's crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's slightly crazy, but it makes a good start of stupid things. 2019 is going to be the most ridiculous. Even more ridiculous than the last. I'm I mean, sure. it's being funny, but we've got Brexit going on, right? And our fucking politicians are coming out about that instead of focusing on fucking Brexit. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're doing a stellar job, mate. <laughs> oh, All right, I think we need to. We've got one last thing to end on. Uh, a customary with our first show of the year, mate. Look at Amelia's face. She is like, she's like, she's like oh shit. I'm, I'm an hour, an hour and ten in. Um, yeah. This is like, my bedtime. Oh, Nine p.m. <laughs> All right, we. You just got to make a. So we'll get your take, Amelia. Brief fitness health and fitness predictions for 2019 what's going to be big mindset mindfulness mindfulness (laughs) (laughs) and what is going to go down the shitter what is not going to be big really clinging to the shit generic bro shit is going to go down because it is going down we've seen like a couple of them go down at the end of last year which was just a delight um the coaching that was just woeful in every way and um, the types that were like they had girls you believe it girls and the coach would say stop it and diet harder and that was their response so they've kind of gone down the pan so i'm hoping that that's going to happen maybe i'm just being optimistic mm. you've got to be optimistic there yeah, yeah. in our in our industry what dan we'll, we'll we'll save we'll save as for next week that's that's a teaser for the next show They've got to listen now. That's exactly. It. Done. Find our fitness predictions. I think apart from, I think that was the most listened to last year. So it's got to be apart from Ross Edgley. Too way too popular that man now. So. He is but, yeah, but yeah, but we we springboarded. We him, we springboarded him. He did our show, then then swam around England. So yeah, it was us that we we gave him that platform to have that that following, mate. Didn't you? Worry? <laughs> yeah. Me now. Huh? Can I expect the same to happen to me now? hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said to you before, we have seven listeners, so yeah. <laughs> all, all of them mums will be on. Now, apparently. <laughs> <It's fine. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Will. Right. Um, for anybody who doesn't know where to find you, Amelia, what are all your social tags or wherever you want to be found? Um, Instagram is probably the best one, and it's just Amelia Thompson PhD. Straightforward. Mm, and that's it really you get all my website and I love that you put PhD and not doctor in because you didn't want to you know mislead people thinking that you're some sort of medical you know medical professional because they are so legit and respected and yeah integrity yeah because now you can be a con woman and no one would ever bat an eyelid you know Mm. so it's fine you're gonna start selling your range of supplements soon (laughs) Uh, don't work yeah just like tampered with oat milk be great <laughs> what, what, how funny would it be now? The equivalent of that would be is if everyone started following Amelia and tomorrow morning she had bacon and eggs. This is so not authentic. What is yeah, going yeah. on here? <laughs> um, anyway, right, thank guys. you very much, Amelia, for coming on. I know you were nervous about the things we were going to throw you away, so I'm glad that it went without a hitch. Yeah, we'll I mean... talk later. <laughs> <And I hope. laughs> 
shit. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope everyone took something from that. Um, and yeah, like I said, if we are always open to guests coming on again, but until 2020, Amelia, thanks for being on Pushable Legs because you can't be on twice in a year because that's not allowed. Yeah. Works for me. <laughs> all right, guys, uh, we'll wrap it there. Thanks for kind of tuning in. Um, go follow us at all the normal angles. Go rate us um, on iTunes. Big helps us out. Um, with an, what we got like we're nearly 50, on 100 ratings, 100 reviews. I think now, we're about right? 100 five star reviews, something like that. Um, oh, it's not too bad. Good. We'd like to add more. Um, apart from the there's like one one star, which is clearly somebody hating on us. Oh, we know we, who that we, is. We we said something somewhere that's pissed somebody off. Which it could be any episode, to be honest. So it'd be yeah, um, yeah. So go do that if you haven't already. Um, go share with people. We have no idea how Amelia's sister got hold of us. It'd be absolutely it's amazing that she did. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for coming on, Amelia, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>